Hello ladies and gentlemen, today I would like to talk to you about one of the most famous uh, Church of Jesus Christ allegories uh, or passages of the Book of Mormon that everybody knows, everybody has heard of, but nobody <laughs> understands. Uh, that would be the passage of the Iron Rod. Thank you for joining me and let's go. The vision of the iron rod, the vision of the big and spacious building, the visions of the tree of life, but what does it all mean? We have read that passage over and over again, but very few of us can actually understand it. And in my opinion, the reason is because there's a little bit of context missing. The, 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 the phrase, the tree of life, it is a very Kabbalistic um, phrase shall we say it. Uh, the tree of life is described in great detail in all of the Kabbalistic literature. And if we are to understand this uh, passage of the Iron Rod, let's step back a little bit and try to understand a little bit about what is the tree of life and how does it reflect to the Iron Rod. The passage of the Iron Rod talks about st staying within balance, holding on to a, to a standard. And that is exactly what the Tree of Life is in, in Kabbalah. You see that the Tree of Life in Kabbalah is never balanced. This is always uh, swaying from left to right. Um... The Tree of Life um, enters into a huge drama between the powers of justice of, and severity and the powers of mercy and forgiveness, shall, shall we say. Uh, and so, if I think that Lehi was talking about the rod that is that basically bisects the Tree of Life or holds the Tree of Life like a trunk. And the middle of the tree of life is where we want to be, is where, 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 where we are not overly merciful or kind, and we're not overly judgmental or over, overly uh, austere or severe, and so on and so forth. Now, the tree of life is composed of ten spheres. But the two spheres that give it its balance is the sphere of, of Chesed and the sphere of Din, or as the Hermetic Kabbalists call it, Geburah. Now, the sphere of Chesed is the sphere of divine kindness, of mercy, uh, thereby sometimes negating justice or negating uh, severity, uh, being overly kind, which we have all been there. We sometimes go out of our way to try to help someone, and that someone takes advantage of us. So that is leaning too much towards the sphere of chesed, uh, in a way in which we have unbalanced not only our tree, but also the tree of the person that we're trying to help as they also feel that they have taken advantage of us. And that creates a symbiotic uh, circle of unbalanced mercy. 
But then on the other hand, we have the sphere of Dean. The sphere of Dean is all is way too much severity, way too much judgment, and we have all been there. We sometimes don't like what some particular person has done or is doing, and for us to be able to disassociate our own emotions from that particular person, we judge them to be someone for who they're not, usually in a bad way. Sometimes we're too austere or mean with somebody, or we do something unrighteous that is swaying towards the sphere of Dean. And so, holding to the rod, the iron rod, is staying right in the middle. Not being too merciful and not be too judgmental or too severe. And <clears throat> that is a, an edict of what Kabbalah is. Now, many people think that Kabbalah is kind of useless. Why do we need this? Why? What is its purpose? Well, in my life, Kabbalah gives me those types of insights for me to be able to live my life, either philosophical or ecclesiastical faith-based principles that have helped me. And in fact, I heard a, um, a very good talk by, uh, by a man named Stephen Holler that he claims that modern psychology gave, was, was, was created out of Kabbalistic principles. Sigmund Freud, he was able to extrapolate some of the principles of Kabbalah, even demonology within, within the Kabbalah, to be able to identify certain diagnoses of schizophrenia or depression, um, so on and so forth. But Kabbalah doesn't call them as depression, doesn't call them as schizophrenia, basically calls them by demon names. But the way in which they are enumerated or they are, uh, how should we say it, they are, they go from one to, to the other. They, um, <clears throat> uh, for example, you can start with one and then you go to three. One can be, for example, sadness, number three can be depression. And so... Kabbalah is able to identify them pretty well. And my friend Stephen Holler, he, he said that that is how uh, psychotherapy, psychoanalysis was developed through the use of Kabbalah. So therefore, Kabbalah can be useful. And it, it is, it, but it all depends on what do we extrapolate from it, which has a lot to do with what we bring into it. And so we are not. We shouldn't be too hard to judge uh, Kabbalah because it, it is not uh, canon. It is a. It can be considered a type of philosophy, or it can be considered a certain type of science, if you, if you want to call it that. Okay. So let's go back to the vision. Uh, into the vision in number two, he says, "Now behold, my son, I will, ex I will explain this thing to thee." For behold, after the Lord God sent our first parent forward from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence they were taken, ye, he drew now the man, and he placed him in the east end of the garden, Harubim, and a flaming sword, which uh, turned away to keep the tree of life. Now, <clears throat> here in this uh, passage, the Book of Mormon is obviously talking about the Garden of Eden. 
Um, if there's one thing that the Zohar loves to talk about, it is uh, the Torah, Genesis. Uh, there are many different riffing, as I have explained what riffing is in the previous uh, episode. There's a lot of riffing going on on the, on the book of Genesis. And one thing I would like to, to, uh, to explain is that the Harubim, it is not this fat little baby angel. Now, um, if you read uh, Jewish literature, the Harubim are these powerful, very dangerous angels, almost kind of close to a demon. They will hesitate. They will not hesitate to, to destroy anybody, especially if they have flaming swords with them. Uh, as the Book of Mormon speaks of an imbalance between mercy and justice in relation to the Tree of Life, uh, it is also probably talking about the same Tree of Life that, 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 that's in the Garden of Eden. Uh, let me read number 13. It says, Therefore, according to justice, the plan of redemption could not be brought about. Oh, yeah, this is, I'm sorry, this is Alma 52.13. Therefore, according to justice, the plan of redemption could not be brought about only on conditions of repentance of men in this probationary state. Ye, this, this preparatory state for, for exempted where, for these conditions, mercy could not take effect, except it should destroy the work of justice. Now, the work of justice could not be destroyed. If so, God will cease to be God. Now, this passage in Alma, it's huge, gigantic in my opinion. Even Kabbalah doesn't really explain it in these terms. Because it's basically saying that the structure of the tree of life is law. And not even God himself could deviate from it. For if he does, he will cease to be God. That, that is a gigantic statement. Uh, it just clearly it speaks of... The, the, the fact that the tree of life is, is law. And not, not law that man can write. This is universal law, like biology or physics. Um, Kabbalah states that creation is made from the tree of life. From concept or thought to a galaxy, to planets, to trees, everything comes from the concepts of Kabbalistic principles. According to the Zohar, judgment is the origin of sin. As we judge, we forget and ignore the true essence of, of, of what the person or thing is, and we break ourselves, our innocence, of what that thing is, and we entrap it and categorize it. So that is what Dean is. Uh, therefore, sin cannot originate not only with um, ourselves, but mostly with our, the way we conceive things. Uh, so, and that is a, a huge statement, in my opinion, because we have to categorize something. The words that I'm speaking to you, we had to be able to learn them and be able to understand them. But Kabbalah says things are defined in higher terms. They are not defined in words or inches or light years or 
leaders or you know that that is us judging it and that is the beginning of sin us not being able to perceive things for for what they are for what created them but of course we have to be able to to deep our ego into those particular things that we are exposed to so that we are able to have them make sense be able to manipulate them so that we can eat and breathe so that we can be sustained within this earth and be able to progress and therefore measurement has to happen so i'm not saying that that is your judgment is necessarily evil it has to happen but it needs to be kept within due bounds like well in in, in the middle pillar or the iron rod in in book of mormon terms and then on the other side, sometimes it can be too nice, too forgiven, and we can sometimes make things worse. Uh, for example, grandparents that let's talk about their grandchild, their children, as to spoil them, now that's a bad thing. Because we all need to learn to survive. We all need to learn how to cope with life. And sometimes over mercy makes us into bad people. In fact, I just watched this uh, Jeffrey Dahmer uh, series up on Netflix, and that is a perfect example of this. This guy was given so many chances to improve his life, and he did not improve his life. Every single time he was given an opportunity to improve his life, he made his life even worse. Not only his life, he made the life of all his victims worse. So it is not very good to be overtly merciful or overtly nice. Uh, as uh, the excerpt from, from Alma in uh, 5213, it is like we need to keep the, the bounds of justice and the bounds of mercy the same for everyone, which is something we have a very difficult time to do here in the United States where there are different standards for many different people. And law does not apply the same way as it does to everybody else. But if we want to improve our society, it is uh, most advantageous to be able to apply the laws of justice and the laws of mercy to everyone equally. At least uh, that is my opinion. So holding to the rod means not being overtly forgiving or indulgent. This ruins relationships and it, it, it overextends our spirits, our souls. And we must also not be harsh in, in judgment. And this is not to be viewed from an, from an external perspective, but from an internal one. Now, I believe that this is the most important one. Because our souls are the ultimate, ultimate victim of our thoughts and actions. What we do in life is what marks our spirits as we present them to our Heavenly Father, or as even as we go about living our lives. And only each one of us is responsible for the life and the afterlife that we can earn. And I believe by understanding the tree of life and understanding its interactions and somehow trying to balance the tree of life within ourselves, within our souls and spirits, mind, bodies, actions, uh, we can live fuller and full, fuller a fuller life and be able to understand ourselves better, which is, in my, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful things that we can do as human beings. Well, I hope uh, this has been useful. Thank you very much for, um, for, for, for keeping up with me and have a great one. Bye-bye.